Welcome in, everybody, to this episode of the Hopeless Sports Banked Podcast. I got Jacob with me here today, and we're going to go over the NBA free agency, which is underway as of a couple of days ago. There's been a lot of big signings and a lot of extensions as well. So we'll give you our thoughts on some of the more notable ones as we head into this 2021-2022 NBA season. To start off, Jacob, I'm going to ask you, we'll, we'll just get the big ones right out of the way real quick. What are your thoughts on the Russell Westbrook draft night trade to move him to the Lakers with LeBron as well as the other league minimum signings for the Lakers, such as Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza. Yeah, man. Uh, first off, thanks again for having me on the show. Always love being on it. Um, you know, at first I wasn't the biggest fan of the Russell Westbrook trade because I think first off that the Lakers gave up way too much, giving up Kuzma, who, I mean, a lot of people didn't like Kuzma, but giving up KCP, who is a 3-and-D guard, could shoot really well. Um, Also, they gave up Montrez Harrell, who was a great big man off the bench, a runner-up six-man of the year a couple years ago, and they gave up a first-round pick just for Russell Westbrook. Also, getting Russell Westbrook kind of ruined the spacing for the Lakers as one of the problems that they had in the past that they didn't have many shooters, and LeBron was – the main playmaker and there could be some potential for concern with Russell Westbrook also coming in there, adding in the fact that he also needs the ball. LeBron also needs the ball. Not sure how it's going to go after they signed all these pieces though, all these veterans such as Carmelo, Trevor Ariza, who else did they sign? Um, Kendrick uh, Nunn, Malik Monk are also in there. And Wayne Wayne Ellington too. And they signed Dwight. So they got a lot of other pieces. I just – I definitely think their defense took a hit a little bit. Um, But other than that, I mean, I still think they did a great job getting the shooters that they needed. Just hopefully they can stay healthy. Yeah, so so I I was kind of in the same boat at first. I was – I just – my initial reaction is where's the spacing when Westbrook was traded. But then given all of these other – guys that they've been able to bring in mostly on league minimum contracts with how the Lakers have pretty much all of their cap space tied up in three players. I, I actually think that this, this could work. The, the, the one thing I somewhat worry about with this team is how Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony get along. Of course, they had some issues with butting heads when they played together in OKC. And even in Melo's farewell tweet kind of to the to Trailblazer Nation, he thanked the city of Portland for making him love basketball again. So with that, I wonder if there's any risk of locker room issues coming out of the relationship between those two elsewhere. I know it's a star studded lineup, but there I I've, I've said in the past, I'm not a huge fan of super teams because there tends to be a lack of a true hierarchy, but I think with this team that that's definitely there. It's clearly LeBron, then AD, then Westbrook, then Mello down from there so at the top of the food chain that that's pretty much set so you don't have to worry about like guys are going to follow LeBron that's the whole reason this team is able to be assembled is because guys want to go get a ring and play with LeBron 
and I think are willing to sacrifice a bit a chance at a bigger role in order to go play in LA with him. So I definitely think for sure by the end of the season, we're not going to have as much COVID protocol. It's going to be a full 82 game season this year as well. I think they're going to really have things sorted out come playoff time. Yeah. And a good thing you made to talk about the super teams is that one thing I will say about all these moves the Lakers have made is that they have a lot of expectations now to win a ring. And if they don't win a ring, if they don't win a ring, which, I mean, there's a very good chance that they won't because a lot of teams we'll talk about later in the podcast, obviously, that have made some great moves. Um, you know, it's going to take a hit. I'm not saying it's going to hurt LeBron's legacy or anything, but, you know, it definitely won't help it. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Yeah, it's it's people talk about have the legacy discussion. I, I think at this point, I, I've said in the past that when he – when LeBron blocked Iguodala and beat the 73-9 and team, that kind of sealed it in my mind as the GOAT. And so at this point, given that he's had other accolades added on top of that, I don't think – I think if at this point, if you don't think LeBron's the GOAT, then you never will. So I don't think even LeBron really cares that much at this point. I think even if he cared – if he didn't – if he cared, he wouldn't have gone to the Lakers in the first place with the whole – notion that that's Kobe's team and that whole thing but to 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 move on from them a, a team that played them a couple of years ago in the finals in the bubble is a team that I really look at as somebody that can turn the tide from how they played at the first round of the playoffs this year and can really bounce back and that's the Miami Heat really made Moves that not only add talent, but make sense in terms of a roster makeup, bringing in Kyle Lowry, three years, $90 million, getting Duncan Robinson a five-year extension, bringing Oladipo back on a one-year deal, and adding P.J. Tucker to the mix from the former, from the champion Milwaukee Bucks on a two-year deal as kind of the scrapper slash enforcer type guy on a team that's definitely known more for shooting and finesse. So I think he brings a little bit of an edge to that team this year. And I think that they'll definitely improve upon how they finished last year. I think Jimmy B, Jimmy Butler can really kind of recover a bit more from that deep playoff run that they had a couple of years ago. And this is definitely a team that's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the East. Yeah, no, I really like, I was going to, yeah, the Heat made great moves getting Lowry. And I think one thing with Jimmy Butler, also Jimmy Butler signed that five-year extension. I don't know if you said that too. But um, one thing I really like about them bringing in Lowry is that I felt like when I was watching the playoffs, I felt like Jimmy Butler had too much pressure. And Jimmy Butler was getting tired. And Jimmy Butler had to guard, in the first round, he had to guard the best player. And he had to take on the number as the number one option in the offense. So I think now with Lowry, he can possibly take a little bit of a step back on offense, focus a little bit more on his defense, and he'll have a lot more energy for hitting his shots down the stretch and being that guy who closes the game for the Heat. I definitely think the Duncan Robinson deal is a little bit of an overpay, but you know, you get him, you get your one of the top shooters in the NBA for another five years. I you know, it could have been a worse deal. It wasn't the JaVale McGee deal. Well, not JaVale McGee, um, Jared Allen deal. 
So <laughs> as long it wasn't that bad. So yeah, there's definitely there's not going to be a team that values Duncan Robinson more than the Heat with how he understands that has the chemistry within that locker room and is really Eric Spolster really knows how to utilize his skill set as a sharpshooter. So as a Hawks fan, they are 100% the team that I worry about the most out of the Southeast division. Now, granted, with the Magic and a full rebuild and not not sure what's going to happen in Washington. And then if I believe Boston's in that division, Boston's... No, we don't have Boston. Or in the East in general, I guess. Boston is about to start a full rebuild, so... Miami, I, I will, will not be surprised if they end up as a uh, top four seed in the East heading into this season. For sure. What um, I was going to ask you, what do you, what do you think about the Hornets? So the, the, the key for the Hornets is definitely building around a young core. They've made moves to kind of – essentially they're going to play around LaMelo and use a lot they they've got a ton of athleticism on that roster moved on from Devonte Graham who I don't think he was really going to fit in with their future as him being a primary ball handler were able to do a sign and trade with New Orleans to move him there and picked up I believe a, a protected first round pick for next year so they'll be able to add yet another piece out of the out of next year's draft class and it's a team that's you're betting on they're going to continue to get better and continue to develop with this young roster and maybe push comes to shove down the line they're they're in the hunt come playoff time i won't be surprised if they end up making a move around the trade deadline yeah no i was just thinking because you know they still have you know they still got Lamelo and they still have gordon hayward coming back and they still got pj washington and they, they, their team's not terrible, and you know they were a bubble team last year. They probably won't be a bubble team this year, but or not a bubble team, um, playing team. Sorry, um, but because there's there is a lot more talent in the East coming in. You know, with I mean, do you want to go ahead and talk about the Bulls? Yeah, I, I was gonna ask ask you uh, kind of answers the question for me, but who who is the team that you look at? as kind of the question mark, like what what's really going on there, kind of the team that's, I guess, making the most puzzling moves here in free agency? Um, Well, I guess kind of a two-part question because what are the Knicks doing? I don't know. Like, I thought, I thought they were going to try to go get Dame. I thought they were really going to try to put something together and get Dame, and then they and then they signed Kemba. So now I'm pretty sure that you know, eliminates them going to get Dame. They've got, they signed Julius Randle today to a, what, four-year, I think it was 117 mil deal. Yeah, for, for an extension on top of, his, he's, he's got one year left on his deal. So he's at a total at five years, 140 million. But, you know, but he took a pay cut though, because he, he, if he would have waited, I think he could have been able to get one of the Supermax contracts. I'm I I I would not have expected him to get a supermax just solely based on how he played in the playoffs against Atlanta, but it's I I I didn't expect Dame to come to New York. You you look back, it's first 
KD was going to come to Brooklyn. Kyrie was going to come to, uh, I mean, not to to New to uh, the Knicks. Then Kyrie was going to come to the Knicks. Then Zion was going to come to the Knicks. And now Dame well, that's Stephen was supposed a. to come to the Knicks. So, but yeah, them, I, I, yeah, them, and also, um, I, I'm kind of confused with what the Wizards are doing a little bit because I don't. I mean, at this point, you know, they were they were also a playing team last year because they, you know, they were the 15th seed in January or so, and then they somehow made it all the way up to the 10th seed, which was great. But that was. I mean, Russell Westbrook had a really, really good year last year, and a lot of people aren't talking about it. So he's off the team, and now it's Beal. So are they going to go ahead and trade Beal and go into a full rebuild, or are they going to try to run it back with Beal and Kuzma? And they signed Dinwiddie and who else they have? KCP and Harrell. So, I mean, it's not not a terrible roster, but it's not somebody that's going to be close to contending, you know? Well, they they had some front office turnover, and – I. I I think if, if I'm a Washington fan, I trust in what they're doing with how they were able to flip a horrible contract with John Wall and to actually get a solid return out of it and in turn through through a bit of a transitive property bring in a lot of these guys like Montrez Harrell and keeping Bradley Beal around and getting Kuzma and some of those other guys. Basically, a lot of these guys that are involved in this trade with the Lakers, it all ties back to being able to flip John Wall with Houston to bring and bringing Westbrook in. But back back to the Knicks, I just – you look at this team and the way that they're – I mean, obviously they added Evan Fournier, who's – I don't he, – he's not a needle mover, to quote Dana White out of the UFC – in my opinion, but he, he does add a little bit to that roster. You bring Kemba in, who the, the injury questions are the biggest thing with them. But I, I'm just kind of puzzled as to to, to, to to not crap all over the team, I guess. But you win one playoff game, and you're playing these signings are like you just won a title or you made a huge, massive run and you want to run it back with the same roster when – a young up-and-coming Atlanta Hawks team handled them with relative ease and only lost one playoff game to them because of having a ridiculously off shooting night in the second half. But I just think with the, the, the scenery is changing in the league to me with how these teams that are kind of the, the cornerstone powers of the league the past few decades are not really bringing in big-time stars. The Knicks are struggling to bring big-time players in somewhat because of incompetence. The Bulls, ever since MJ's exit because of how much players don't really like the Reinsdorf family, are really struggling to bring in a true superstar, though I do think Zach Levine has a poten- the potential at least to develop into that kind of player. And we see that these teams that don't have as much of a legacy like the Nets or really the heat are able to bring guys in the jazz have made some solid moves as well but i i i think it's become a day and age where outside of the lakers i guess the nostalgia is kind of rubbed off on some of these historic franchises and players more often than not they they're going to go to the team that's has that they 
expect to have the best chance to win with in the future rather than look back at the past. Yeah, and that's the thing because, you know, I was when you were talking about, um, you know, all the guys who were supposedly going to New York, it made me think about that. It makes me think of Stephen A. always, you know, posting on his Instagram right away when he hears a rumor about something with a guy in a Knicks jersey. What is going on? That kind so of thing. happy about it, and then, of course, they don't want to go. But just, yeah, just like, like you were saying with the Knicks, it just it's weird to think because, I mean, even though the series was 4-1, to one, I mean, it was the Hawks dominated that series, and it makes me think that for the in the Knicks' mind, they should have tried to go for somebody big. They should have tried to go for Dame, even try to maybe sign Kawhi, or somebody somebody big who can actually get them out of the hump instead of signing these role players like Fournier, Kemba. Well, Kemba Walker's not necessarily a role player, but you were talking about his injuries and how he might not even be able to stay on the court. Ever since he left Charlotte, he's just completely gone downhill. And it's it, it's it's a, I I feel like it's kind of a fear of from the Knicks organization to returning back to the struggles that they really have had during kind of Stephon Marbury and post Carmelo Anthony. Those kind of two little windows of really struggling as a franchise. I think they're kind of scared of returning to that. So rather than risk letting one of these guys from this last year's team walk in order to bring in another star player, they decided to bring a ton of them back and give a guy that really struggled in the playoffs uh, add four years onto his contract. So uh, it, it's puzzling to me, but we, we'll see how some of the young players like Emmanuel quickly – uh, develop in terms of helping this team take the next step. Yeah. Now, I think Randall deserved his contract, though. I still think he deserved his contract because, I mean, he still did have a great season. He led the Knicks to the five seed, regardless of how he performed in the playoffs. But, I mean, he still made – didn't he make All-NBA second team or he made All-NBA third team? I, I believe, yeah, I believe he made an All NBA team. I'm not sure. What yeah, so he's an All NBA player. Led the Knicks to the five seed. You know, he was put. I mean, he put up some really solid numbers, points, rebounds, assists, shooting well from the field, shooting well from three. You know, who who's a guy that looking at some of these signings that you think is going to benefit the most solely from just a change of scenery. Um, does it have to be from a signing or can it be from like a trade? Any, any kind of roster move. Um, I personally really liked, um, didn't Valanciunas get traded to the, to the Pelicans? I I think so. Yeah. I like, I like, I really like that move. And I really like that him and Zion are going to be in the front court together because the problem that a big problem that they were having in New Orleans before Obviously, I mean, New Orleans isn't a threat right now, but a big problem that they were having is that Steven Adams was clogging up the paint and Zion was clogging up the paint. So Zion had to play on the perimeter, and that's not his game. But Valanciunas has a little mid-ranger, and he can shoot threes, and there's still Brandon Ingram on that team. And they also got they also got rid of Eric Bledsoe, who he's just garbage. Um, so, and I think New Orleans, you know, they could potentially go for a for – a, um, playing team next year and 
assuming Zion wants to stay, but I don't think Zion's going to request a trade. I think it all depends on how much that front office is willing to listen to him. I, I believe just my gut tells me he had some input as to the firing of Stan Van Jundy. And that that's, that's kind of what I worry about with the, I mean, a little bit with Trey Young, but I panned out since Nick McMillan took over some of these young players that once they get settled in and feel like they've established themselves in the league, they, they kind of expect uh, whatever I say goes. We've seen that happen in Dallas with a ton of moves being um, initiated by Luca. And now Zion is creating a lot of roster change-ups over in new Orleans and, all by these these teams kind of it just shows you how player driven the league is now with how these teams are willing to do whatever the star player tells them to do and kind of build the roster to their liking now a guy that i think i I don't want to say it's as much of he was struggling as much as he just was had an unfortunate fortunate injury last year uh, who I think in Washington can really play along well with Bradley Beal as they um, have kind of decided that Beal is going to be the guy in Washington, and that's Spencer Dinwiddie. He signed with Washington on a three-year, $62 million deal. Coming off of that ACL tear, I think with his dribble penetration ability, him being having really good size, especially at the guard position, I think you can see a lot of drive and kick opportunities for him to go to Beal. He can play off ball pretty well, so even if Beal is the primary ball hander on a play, this is a team that they're, they're surrounded. he's surrounded by shooters, so you definitely want a guy that can kind of collapse the defense, and that's what Dinwiddie provides. We'll see a lot of I think corner threes between Beal and Davis Bertans and even some of the, the big guys that play in Washington have shown some ability to shoot the threes. And they've got a couple of good athletes that made some nice plays against Philly in that uh, playoff game, playoff series. So I think that if he comes back healthy from this ACL injury, which I expect in with modern medicine, he will. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is definitely a guy that can make a name for himself in DC. Yeah. What, um, what do you think about Lonzo? Uh, so, so Chicago, I, I really don't see what's going on with them. I think Lonzo has a chance, slight chance to improve with a change of scenery. We've seen that his, his form on his jump shot looks improved, but this is, is a team that I, I don't really see them going any higher than a, a six seed in the East or so. And I don't think he, even if they get there, I don't think they make much noise in the playoffs. You've got a lot of, a lot of athleticism, but not a lot of efficiency and not a lot of playmaking. Yeah. Zach Levine is at times he's been very much I'm gonna do all the scoring. You guys can stand around kind of thing, and he's butt heads with some of the coaching staff in Chicago at times. And then you've got Lonzo, who is a bit of a playmaker, but 
for how much he helps with his passing ability, he's not been a very efficient shooter. And I think he'll struggle even that much more playing in a, in a bigger market like Chicago compared to how he was able to somewhat settle in in New Orleans. And then either, both Alex Caruso and DeMar DeRozan, neither of those two guys is really any premier shooter. And I don't think Caruso is the kind of guy that's going to excel in a bigger role possibly, especially when you're no longer playing beside LeBron. And I was thinking that too. I, yeah, I just I I and I worry. I think DeRozan provides a solid veteran presence for them, but it's a three-year deal, and he's a guy that's game is built around his athletic ability, and he's getting up there in age. So I don't really expect that contract for DeRozan to age very well for him. Yeah, I um. I was, that's what I was thinking too, because you know, obviously, the Bulls making all these moves are going to be in a win now mode. But it's one of those things where you know, the NBA, and I've talked about this on one of your other. Or I don't know if I talked about this before, but the NBA is becoming one of the things now where there's a bunch of different teams in both conferences that can easily come out of that conference. You know, and it's not one of those things where it was four or five years ago where every year was just we already knew it was going to be the Cavs versus the Warriors in the finals. But now it's one of those things where, I mean, for the East, you know, there's Philly, there's the Bucks who just won the title, there's the Heat making all these moves, there's the Hawks who just made an incredible run to the Eastern Conference Finals, there's the Nets, we didn't even talk about the Nets, and now there's the Bulls. And then in the West, you know, there's the Lakers, uh, Clippers, Mavs, the Warriors are going to be coming back healthy. Uh, Blazers, they could possibly try to run it back. Um, and there, there's so many competitive teams. Uh, the Nuggets also, you know, there's so many competitive teams. And it makes it great to see, but like you were saying, just because there's a lot of star power does not mean they're efficient. And, um, yeah, so Bulls will definitely be – they'll definitely make the playoffs, though. But yeah. they'll probably going to be a first-round exit. It, it's all about – having a GM that knows how to any, anybody can go out and recruit these players that have the big names in order to, and pay them a lot of money to, to come to their team outside of a few of those teams that like Dallas, that kind of struggle to bring in big names because of kind of reasons out of the front office's control. But it's it's about building a roster that's going to play well together and to not have glaring flaws at times like the Lakers last year had. Their glaring flaw was a lack of shooting. Now, they weren't a great shooting team when they won the finals. I believe they've shot, they were like 21st in the league in three-point shooting. But if you try to patch up a... a knife wound with a band-aid it's it's not gonna it's gonna get infected come summertime when it's the playoffs and you have to win in a half court game yeah that's that's kind of what separated the teams like phoenix the teams like atlanta and the teams like milwaukee from those teams that have a lot of names but tended to really struggle when it came to key possessions and i think if the team that personified that better than or not I want to say better but more than any any other team was Philly they have the big names of Embiid and 
Ben Simmons and Seth Curry were turned out to be a pretty solid signing for them as well. But that was a team that relied almost all of their offense was predicated on Joel Embiid in the post. And when Atlanta was able to double him and kick it out and anybody, nobody, but Seth Curry was able to consistently beat them. And then a lot of Atlanta's wins in that series came because they were able to get Seth Curry into foul trouble and keep him off the floor. And this is a team that I, I, I guess Daryl Morey is betting on them being able to figure out some of the psychological issues going on with Ben Simmons as far as his unwillingness to shoot. I I definitely think that's the case given the the trade offer that circulated around the league with wanting, I believe they asked for something like four first round picks. Yeah, that's insane. For Ben Ben Simmons with, with, with that contract when he's his value is probably at the lowest it'll ever be. I mean, he's, uh, he's barely worth a bag of chips, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely it's he's showcasing now that the league is you, you if you want to get paid, you have to score. That's you have to be able to score at all three levels of the floor if you want to be able to put up if you want to be able to get paid. But that's the thing. Like, it's not even as much for me. I don't even, I don't even think about it as, as much as the fact that Ben Simmons can't score. He can't score, but at the end of the day, he's six, he, he's six ten, and he's a guard. He, I don't understand why he just doesn't drive. He just doesn't drive to the rim every time. Because, I, because he, because he can't make free throws and teams were just able to foul him when he, when he was driving to the rim. Yeah. But I mean, they, but he's they still, added, we're saying to, 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 to kind of summarize this and relate it back to free agency. The Sixers added Andre Drummond on a one-year deal and then brought back Danny Green on a two-year $20 million deal. Yeah, that was so, that was a big overpay. Yeah, the overpay to say the least on that end and just shows you what happens when you pay a guy too quickly like they did with Simmons and they're kind of tied up in this cap situation uh, i can't remember if they've given Embiid a big contract yet or not if they haven't then he's the best center in the lead right now so right. i think he he's definitely deserves to get paid at this point given though his last few years of production and with especially with how he played through that knee injury against atlanta and this is a team that is uh, has has underachieved more than any other team in recent memory in terms of what the front office was able to put together in terms of just raw talent but they were but it wasn't built in a way that they could function well as a team and i think the, the hiring of doc rivers which i wasn't a fan of from the start was the, the icing on top so and and also you didn't even you didn't even talk about tobias harris's contract yeah, it's, it's his contract paying. is one of the I I arguably one of the worst contracts in the league. Uh, you know, isn't it like five years, one hundred eighty million dollars or something crazy? Like yeah, that? something like that for a guy that it's, it's. I mean, Tobias is never was never really a guy that's there's there's a difference between a guy that can score and just go and get a bucket at any point in time, and a guy that kind of just scores in the flow of the game, and he's not really going to put up the 
the flashy plays. And I think that was kind of why Tobias Harris was so overpaid is he was never, he wasn't really taking pressure off of Embiid when things weren't going his way and scoring in terms of just getting his own shot. He relied on Ben Simmons and Embiid to both create for him. So he could kind of be on the end of an easy layup or something like along those lines. For sure. You want to, um, you want to segment into our Hawks? Perfect timing. Yeah, that's 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 where I was. That's, that's where I was going thinking. next. We 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 made it this far. We but we got to cover it. Yep. Travis Schlenk, a man amongst smaller men with an IQ of two hundred and fifty. If that's not possible, he makes it possible. <laughs> and there is not a GM that I want at the helm of my Atlanta Hawks more than that man. We bring in Trey. You, you, you bring back JC five years, 125 million. So not a max contract, which was the biggest fear amongst the fan base was that we were going to have is that he was going to have to be overpaid, even though, Did you pause it? Yeah, I'm sure. So we, you bring back, you, you you get JC without having that max contract, and then on top of that, on on top of all of that, we pay Trey at the same time, give him that super max that he deserves, five years, two hundred and seven million dollars, break the bank, ice Trey probably about to be the most popular athlete in the city of Atlanta, I think has the chance to surpass Michael Vick in terms of national popularity. If he continues to play, especially in the playoffs continues to play the way that he did this past season. So you get those two, you bring back Lou will lemon pepper. Lou wants another run at the run at it on a one-year deal very team friendly don't have a ton of the risk that you might have if you bring back bringing back an older player for a multi-year deal and then to to kind of add a little bit more length add a little bit more rebounding but still kind of fit around this team mold of shooting you bring in Gorgie Dang from Minnesota former uh, Louisville Cardinal as well I remember watching him a good bit in college playing against Kentucky so it's it's doing exactly what we all wanted here in Atlanta to happen. You you have these young guys show out, continue to develop, and you, you are able to keep the core together and pay all of them, and it's a team that's going to continue to get better and make mo- multiple runs at possibly winning the NBA Finals. Yeah, man, you hit on everything. Um, you know, it was great. Also, somehow – with all of that, the Hawks also had an excellent draft. You know, we got Jalen Johnson at, what was it, 20 or 21? I don't remember. I think we had 20. 20. 20. We had Jalen Johnson at 20, who arguably was supposed to be in lottery pick. And then somehow, some way, Sharif Cooper fell all the way to 48th, which I still don't understand how that happened. You know, we needed a back. We needed another backup guard. Uh, Lou Will, of course, is... Great to have in the locker room, great backup guard. But there were times, in my opinion, where 
it's one of those things where if he's not scoring and he's not Lemon Pepper Lou, he's not really effective on the court. And the Hawks tried putting him and Trey together in the playoffs, and that it didn't really work very well. It, well, it worked on this in terms of scoring. We had a few comebacks. But I'm talking about the defense against. Yeah, in terms. Of, yeah, you're able to put up points, but that's. It, but it's useless when you got two guys at the one and two position that you can just easily attack defensively. And it's great to see that, you know, the guys are coming back for another year. We're not losing anybody big. You know, we also signed Solomon Hill. We signed Solomon Hill to another one-year deal, another great veteran presence. He's, you know, each one of these teams has to have one of those locker room guys. And Solomon Hill is one of those great locker room guys. Um, but also, one the only thing that I have a problem with the Hawks is the firing of Ryan Cameron. Oh, oh, he went there. I did. Fill, fill, fill those in who aren't who aren't familiar with. The so Indian Ryan market. Cameron, I don't know how long he's been with the Hawks, but he was ever since I remember watching the Hawks as a kid. He's been our PA announcer. Um, I remember you know that foul was offensive and. The for three and all that. Um, so it's sad. I don't even know who they're going to try to bring in, but I know it's not going to be the same going to Hawks games without him being there. Yeah, he's he's something that's I, – I always think back to his his kind of falsetto call whenever Kyle Korver would get hot from three during that 2015 season. And it was, it just, it's a part of the environment at State Farm Arena. And it's part of what makes going to a Hawks game a fun experience. He's now, I believe he still is going to be the PA announcer for the Falcons, which he took over for that uh, about three or four years ago. But I, uh, they, they haven't really released any details about what caused kind of the contract dispute and those kind of things. But he's no longer going to be part of the the fan experience at an Atlanta Hawks game. Yeah, so I just saw it online and said they're replacing him with Big Tigger. I have no idea who that is, but we will find out I guess when the season comes. Uh it's I I'm coming at this with a pessimistic attitude which No, yeah. You, if, you if you've listened to the show before, that's that's not a surprise. But I think that that covers pretty much all of the major signings we've seen so far. And there's been a few kind of role play signings out West that we weren't able to cover, but I don't think those are really going to make that much of an impact. A lot of them are bringing back guys that have already, that were already on the team last year. Right. So other than, other than Eric Pascal, do you saw the Eric Pascal to the jazz? Uh, I, I saw that, but like I said, I, I don't really consider that much of the biggest thing in out of Utah that I, I've i seen is Mike Conley uh, get signing a three-year extension for, I think it was 70, $74 million. Not bad. Again, still on the team. was They needed him come playoff time, like they needed uh, Donovan Mitchell at times as well, but it's it's just... Utah's a team that I, I don't trust to, to take the next step. Even though they're well coached, they have scoring, they have shooting and playmaking ability for multiple guys. Obviously, the defensive player of the year and Rudy Gobert 
helps out, but they just they they come off as a very much a regular season team. No, and and that's one of those things where you know they have a great starting five, great defense. I just feel like they need one person other than Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell is a superstar, basically a superstar. They need one other guy to be able to step up when it counts because I like you were saying they are a regular season team, and when the time counted, they didn't show up. I I'm gonna say this. I, this this isn't the first time Jacobs heard me say this, but I think it's the first time my listeners have. I don't think it's gonna end well for Donovan Mitchell in Utah, and I will not be surprised if, say, Cam Reddish doesn't develop or DeAndre Hunter continues to have some injury issues for the Hawks. I I would love to see. Uh, Louisville, the University of Louisville's own, join Trey Young and JC in Atlanta, but well, yes, I, well, we still want Badly Beal in Atlanta though. So oh, yeah, that, that, no, we're that, thinking I about that. First. I do not. I know you don't you, want Bradley Beal. I, I mean, I would want Bradley Beal in Atlanta. Uh, I, I, I like Cam's defense too much to replace him, possibly, and Dre's defense as well to replace him with a guy that's been a lower defensive lower player defensive rating than Trey Young who is limited physiologically in terms of what he's going to be able to do on the defensive end of the floor for sure he does make it up though I mean he may, he mostly makes it up though and I think the Hawks did a pretty good job last year of not completely getting him exposed on defense you know there's a lot of help there was a lot of a lot of defensive schemes that didn't just completely have Trey completely without any help, you know. And he and Trey improved himself in terms of doing what he can. He was a lot more active in the passing lanes. I think that's something that Nate McMillan was able to help him to improve on. He's definitely and just him spending more time at the NBA level. He's seeing the floor a lot better on the defensive end as well, and at times able to to at least make somewhat of an impact on the defensive end of the floor. But I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Hopeless Sports Magic Podcast. Everybody, make sure you go ahead and give Jacob a follow on social media. Uh, what's the uh, handle for that? Uh, it's just my first name, last name, Jacob underscore Trivers. And uh, you have the uh, uh, separate Instagram account, I believe. Uh, yeah, or you can just follow my TikTok. I follow, I do a lot of posts on TikTok. Um, I think my TikTok is JTSMOOVE013. JT Smooth. Coming yes, sir. In hey, you want to do one more thing, real quick? You want to do a, a hot take for the season? Sure thing. All right. What's your hot take for, what's your hot take for this upcoming season? Hot take, I, though. Like crazy hot take. Cra- crazy hot take. Okay. This is, this is going to be a little bit. Out of left field, I guess. I'm going to go with... I, I think the Trailblazers, even in this rebuild situation, possibly, I think they'll still find a way to make the playoffs. Okay. I think... And this might be crazy when I say this, but I think that... Um, I don't think the Lakers or the Nets are going to make the finals this year. Who, who, who do you have out of the East? Well... The Hawks, you know, I don't, I don't want to necessarily be that guy to say it, but quite possibly, 
who if you can't pick the pick the Hawks. If I can't pick the Hawks, probably the Heat. That's that's uh, I I could go with that. And then in the West, you know the the Suns re-signed Chris Paul. We didn't talk about them. Well, we we kind of brought it up a little bit. The Suns, you know, they have another year under them. You know, I think, like I said, this might be crazy, but the Jazz, you know, Warriors are coming back healthy. Just imagine what they did. There's a, I think there's a lot of other teams that are gonna that are gonna challenge the Lakers. Just because they have all the guys does not mean that there's gonna breeze through everybody. That those are my, that's my hot take. I don't know who exactly is gonna be in the finals, but I do not think it will be the Nets or the Lakers. All righty, we'll have we'll have to see. It's we'll try to make sure we remember that quite a few months from now. Although I feel like the season's gonna the postseason's gonna sneak up on us, like student loan debt sneaks up on a liberal arts major. And with that, we will end this episode of the Hopeless Sports Magnet Podcast. I'm Taylor, and I'm Jacob. Thank you for listening.